Let me ask you a question. Can you be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and live for yourself? Think about it. I'm not asking you to respond right now. Can you be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and live for yourself? We assist living in a world that, that's feeding our narcissistic nature of human beings, telling us that, that we can live life our way, giving birth to an entitlement mentality. Well, the world owes me. The church owes me. God owes me. You owe me. Everybody owes me something. And I see that all around us. And I wonder if Jesus ever had to deal with an issue like that. And if he did, how did he deal with it? And, and, it, and is there scripture that would help us answer that question? Can you be a follower of the Lord Jesus and live life your way? I want to talk to you about before you follow, and I want you to go with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 8. Because I believe that, that Jesus, that the question is not just a 21st century question. I believe that, that it's an issue that has been around for as long as there's been human beings. Because in Mark chapter 8, Jesus addresses it. And, and in Mark 8, he lays out his plan for discipleship. We talk about mentoring, we talk about following up, and we talk about discipling people. And in Mark chapter 8, Jesus laid out his plan for discipleship, and, and it's, in, it's, it's in his words. I want us to look at it, and it's a process or a progression. Uh, if you, uh, back when I, was, when I was coaching basketball, at that time, John Wooten was coaching college ball at UCLA and out in California. And um, was, was a tremendously successful coach, but, but more than that, he was a successful human being, a, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Wooten had come up with, with a, a very foundational uh, uh, progression, and he titled it his Pyramid for Success. And in the book, by they call me coach, and, and, and matter of fact, and a lot of other things, uh, you could find this. But, but Coach Wooten, over the years, developed this. And even though he was bringing in some of the best high school talent basketball around the nation, first day of practice, he would give each one a copy of his pyramid of success. And, it was, and he, would, he, he helped them to see that to be successful, not only as a team, a basketball team, but to be successful in life that there were certain foundations that you built upon that were essential and critical if you were going to reach the pinnacle in whatever fields you were in. I believe Jesus lays that out for us here in, in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, in this process that is a progression, building one upon the other. And when he had called, let's read it, Mark 8, 34. And by the way, there are parallel passages with this, in Luke chapter 9 and in Matthew chapter 16, uh, very similar parallel. As a matter of fact, the, the same verse there. Luke adds one word, and I'll tell you about, talk about that later uh, in verse 34. It says, And when Jesus had called the people unto him 
and his disciples, with his disciples. Then he said this. So this, what Jesus is telling him was, wanted to be sure that it was for everyone. It was for everyone. He said to them, Whoever, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And here, Luke adds the word daily. Take up his cross and follow me. I want us to look at this progression. I want us to start, be very, very careful with it. Verse, this first step, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. And I believe that under a, a proper understanding of what Jesus is saying with denying ourselves is, is foundational. It's, a, it's one on the bottom tier and it's, it is a cornerstone of discipleship. Today we hear talk about self-denial. Matter of fact, uh, we go through a season of, of Lent and, some, and sometimes during the, the Lent season, people will, will decide to give up something for a period of time. They, you know, sometimes we, we, we'll give up a bad habit. I won't, wear my, uh, you know, I won't wear my rubber boots to bed for a month or something. But, but, uh, and then sometimes we, we talk about denying ourselves of some luxury. I won't give up, you know, I, I, won't get, I won't watch television for a week or something like that. Jesus is talking about far more than self-denial. He's talking about denying self. And it's interesting to me to, 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 as, we, as we try to get a grasp of, of what is he talking about, that in Mark chapter 14, when Jesus is arrested and when he's taken before the authorities, in Mark chapter 14, starting at verse 66, down through the, I think the rest of the chapter, verse 72 there, whatever that is, oh, we can go there. We're in no hurry. Barbie's got our turkey breast cooking, so that's no problem. <laughs> Don't let it burn, baby. Okay. Mark 14, in verse 66, it says, and as, and as Peter was beneath under the palace, uh, there comes one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself by the fire there, she looked at him and said, you're, you're, you was with Jesus of Nazareth. In verse 68 says, but he denied. It's the same word, exactly the same Greek word that Jesus uses in chapter 8, verse 34, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Peter denied saying, I don't know, I know not, neither understand I what you're talking about. And he went out to the porch and the rooster crowed. And a maid saw him again and said to him, that stood by, he's one of them, verse 70, and he denied it again. Same word. And then he would ultimately deny it again with cursing. So I don't even know, I don't know what, I don't even know this man. And it has the connotation of, 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 of renouncing any association with. I'm not one of his followers, I don't even know him. It's the same word. So Jesus is not just talking about giving up some luxury or something even of, of necessity. It's, it's, far, it's far bigger, in my opinion, than that. I believe what Jesus is talking about when he says, whoever will come after me. Let him deny himself. Is that he means that we're to give up, we're to relinquish our right to run our own lives. Our right, my right to do what I want to do. Go where I want to go. We're to say, I can't, that, that doesn't belong to me anymore. And that strikes, this, this whole concept strikes at the very heart, the very nature of of us human beings. 
Yeah, we want to be the master of our faith. We want to be the captain of our own ship. I'm 18 years old out of the house. I'm on my own. And some people set out to live life that way. And we think, well, they'll come to their senses somewhere in their 30s or 40s. But then when we see people in their 70s and 80s that say they've trusted the Lord as their Savior 50-something years ago, and they're still living life that way, it's disconcerting. Can you be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and live life the way you want to? Jesus says the first step is that we have to deny ourselves. I believe he's talking about giving up our right to ourselves. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, toward the end of the chapter, verse 19 and verse 20, he says, what? Don't you know that your, your body is the temple of the Lord, which you have of God, and you are, what he said here, and you are not your own, for you've been bought with a price. Every Christian here this morning, every one of us who, who uh, says that we are a Christian, that we've been saved, that we're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, have come to a place where we have understanding, where we've acknowledged that Jesus Christ, by his death, by his crucifixion and resurrection, that he has paid the penalty for our sins. Scripture says, because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in our sinning, there was no way for us to get to God, but all of us that have trusted him have come to a place of realization that he, his death, his crucifixion, his resurrection paid that price. It purchased our salvation. It purchased us. We no longer belong to us. It's no longer my life to live the way I want to. Did you hear the words of the, of the course that we were saying, worthy as a lamb? Take my life. Take my life and let it be what you want. Wow. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. He tells us, therefore, glorify God in your bodies. We've been purchased. Football season is close, and I, I was thinking that because he is our Lord, because he has purchased us, he has the right to call every play of every down of our life. And he doesn't make room in there for us to audible. <laughs> Okay, we get up there. We know the play you sent in, God, but we're just looking out at the defense. And in our wisdom, we think we know a better play to run right now. Because from the sideline, you may not know what the kind of defense they're lining up in. But Lord, we're seeing it right here. So we're just going to audible this in God. We'll, we'll check with you. Wow. That's what. Jesus is talking about, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself. Deny our self-sufficiency. Deny our feeling that we can handle whatever comes our way. We're in control. We can run our life. If, if you'll let me, um, and I don't do this a lot, but if you'll let me speak a bit of Christianese here, okay? Just kind of go into this 
this Christian talk that if we grew up in a church you're familiar with, but if you didn't grow up in a church, it sounds strange to you. To deny oneself is to submit to the will of God in everything that we do and say. To submit to the will of God. Listen to what um, John Wesley, Tom will, Tom, Tom gets all excited, the, the annoying thing of the Lord. Listen to what, but it's so powerful. Listen to what John Wesley says about the will of God and denying self. The will of God is a path leading straight to God. The will of man, which once ran parallel with it, is now another path, not only different from it, but in our present state, directly contrary to it. It leads from God. If therefore we walk in the one, we must necessarily quit the other. We cannot walk in both. Indeed, a man of faint heart and feeble hands may go in two ways, one after the other, but he cannot walk in two ways at the same time. He cannot, at one and the same time, follow his own will and follow the will of God. He must choose the one or the other. Denying God's will to follow his own or denying self to follow the will of God. There can be no discipleship without first denying self. Jesus is laying out the progression. Jesus is laying out the process. And the first step is to deny deny self. And then the step two says, let him deny himself and take up his cross. And and it's very clear that before we have laid down self, we can never shoulder the cross. For you can't carry the two at the same time. And when Jesus spoke of taking up his cross, and probably this this section of scripture here uh, is kind of right in a transition point in Mark. In other gospels, you kind of read into it. And, And most likely, it was spoken up in Caesarea Philippi. And Jesus as he spoke this to the disciples and the multitudes, it probably, it's probably like a lot of our messages that we hear or that you hear or, or things teaching. It's good, it sounds good, but the full impact of it doesn't hit us until later when we see, when we're in the midst of living what's been shared. And so the full impact of this maybe wasn't, maybe didn't hit immediately to the disciples, but it would soon. Because in a matter of a few months, Jesus is going to be taking up a literal cross and going to a place of execution where he will lay down his life for me and for you and for the sins of the world. But what's he mean here about taking up his, 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 our, our cross? I, I think it may be a, a little bit different than bearing our cross. We talk about, all this talk about that, that we have a cross to bear, and it's not the old cross I'd bear. I used to think that was the old cross I'd bear instead of the old cross I would bear. Yeah, it's a lot, it was a lot easier to sing the old cross I'd bear instead of the old cross I'll bear, okay? I think it's a, a, it's a bit different to that. On one hand, we, t- we think about maybe, maybe uh, disease or, or illnesses or, or circumstances 
that come into our lives that maybe we have no control over, a, a handicap or a debilitating uh, condition that affects every area of our life. And we talk about bearing up under that cross. And I, and I understand that. But as I, as I read this, taking up my cross, to me, is saying something of a, of a willing surrender to whatever God's will, to go over and pick this up and shoulder it. To me, it come down pretty, pretty close to home. Does it bother you if people forget your name? <laughs> you say, it only bothers me the ones that forget my name. It would be nice if my husband or my wife remembered it. Some other people, it wouldn't be such a big deal. Tom, I know how that is. Uh, but, but, but sometimes, you know, when... Uh, when, uh, when there's a, been a, a great plan and it's worked. <laughs> now, when the plans don't work, we want them to forget. I didn't sign that, you know, I didn't sign anything. Uh, but but when, we, when there's been a great, uh, an ideal and it's been very successful and, and everybody's given credits and your name's left off, does that bother you? Let me ask you this. Does it bother you when you're criticized? Maybe very unfairly, but do you bristle? You know, Dad, Jim, God, how about, how about getting puffed up? And I, I, I didn't know how to, pout, how do you spell pout? That's what first service said. Have you ever, I just want, if you've ever written that down and looked at it, it don't look right. It don't look right. But have you ever, have you ever, have you ever, or do you know anyone that gets puffed up or, or pouts when, when they're not, they're not, they're not checked with? Everything hadn't been run by them, hadn't been vetted by them, you know? Maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's someone has changed. Maybe they didn't even get checked with. Wow. Now, I want to tell you, if we're going to ever make it through discipleship boot camp, there are these kind of circumstances and situations that we need to welcome. Unless you, uh, unless you get the wrong impression this morning in this message, and I don't want you to, surely not of your pastor, because I, let me share an experience with you. I had been a pastor for quite a while that sounds that sounds so that that, that sounds come on that, that's got to sound pretty uh pious awesome somebody said I love that pious I had been a pastor but but I could have said I, I, I was saved when I was nine years old okay so God's been working on, on on this project for a long time he's had me on the on the on the work on the work table uh, work bench a long time I'd been a Christian but even even as a pastor Found myself one weekend, and uh, it's been a week, kind of a, a pretty powerful spiritual weekend with a lot of other men. And uh, toward the end of the weekend, there was a service, and uh, and and they had a wooden cross up front. Now that's pretty. That's pretty cool. I thought this is pretty good. You know, they're going to get. They're going. We're going to get the ones that's not saved. We're going to get them that cross. We're going to get them saved. And uh, but whoever was leading the service had a different. 
God had spoke to them something different. And uh, with the wooden cross up front, they gave each, they gave each one of sitting in, in the building a, a slip of paper with a straight pen. And they said, uh, as, we, as we spend time together this evening, we want you to pray. We want you to ask God, what area of your life, is there an area of your life that he's still working on? Are still working in that you just that that you just you haven't fully surrendered that yet, and you need to put it on the cross. Now I was pretty quick. I thought, Lord, I'll give you Barb. <laughs> She's my wife. I love her. I want to keep her. But if I give her to you, you surely got some working you can do in her. I'll put her. To... God wouldn't hear that. And as I began to pray about what I you know what I could what what the Lord wanted me to put. Then I don't know how you are, but it became very obvious to me that, that God was missing the mark, that what he was speaking to me, he probably meant for the person that was sitting beside me. And I tried to tell him that, God, I, I surely, I'm not hearing, but the person beside me, I've noticed some things this weekend. I think you're right. It's just slide it over a little bit, you know, God, slide it over a little bit. And that didn't work either. And, and I sat there and God, God's. I mean, very clearly, and it was, you know, he started out as a little soft whisper. And then by the time I'm getting this part, I'm afraid that the whole auditorium is hearing God say to me, Helton, it's self, it's you, it's self. And it got to the point, I mean, by the time he's yelling at me and I'm, and I'm like, okay, okay, don't yell it. I'm, I'm putting a big capital S, capital E, capital L, and capital L. I knew how to spell that. Self. It was me. And, and, and what bothered me to get me to that point is I thought I'd already, man, I, I thought I was doing pretty good in that area. I'm trying to be unselfish. I was trying to be unselfish. I'm trying to do a lot of other things, you know, that I, that I don't, don't want to do, but things that I think I should do, things that I may not even like to do. There's a whole other ballgame about that. You know, and, 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 and it felt, but, but as God began to speak to me that, that evening, it was like he was taking strips of my heart and my flesh and ripping them out and it hurt because he began to show me how much of self was still there and I'm thinking God if you don't stop there's not going to be any of me left and God said you got it that was a long time ago he's still doing that he's still doing that in our lives Take up our cross. Welcome those opportunities for Jesus to show us where we still need to take things to the cross, where we still can grow in grace, where he still can use to, to, to grind away and to, and to whittle away and to polish and to make us more and more and more after the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So he's talking about his process of, of discipleship, the progression of denying self, taking up your cross daily, Luke says, every day. Every day. What is it that's going to, you know, when your bucket's kicked today and we straighten that sucker up, it could be kicked again. Any of y'all, this is, this is going to date some, some of you. Any of y'all ever play kick the can when you were young? Huh? All right. The rest of you are saying, have no idea. You don't know what you have missed. You can have more fun with an old pork and bean can and a bunch of kids long about sundown of the evening. You know, 
whoever's it, you got a can, you set that can down there and as long as can up bright, but, and you catch people, you find them. But if somebody comes in and kicks the can before you can touch it and tell them that, you know, you got them, every one of the rest of them go hide again. If, the, if your can's kicked, you got to start all over. Yeah. Step three. You, are you, did you follow me on that one? I think so. If you didn't really follow me, Jared, you talk to Jeff. He'll talk to Jeff. Hear him. That's over there, young. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a Wednesday night teaching, Jeff, when your can's kicked. It's like when your bucket's kicked. Okay. Step one, deny self. Take up your cross. But now look at this one. And, and again, the progression. It can't be done unless it's done in this order. You'll never, we'll never carry the, pick up the cross and carry the cross unless we've denied self. And after you denied self and picked up a cross, you have to do that before you can ever follow him. That's what he says. And follow me. Before you follow. That's the message. Before you follow, deny self, take up the cross. Follow me. Could we say obey? Let me, let me just ask you. If disobedience is the name of the game before we're saved before we were Christians, right? I mean, I mean, we do what we, we did, what we want to do when we want to do it, how we want. I mean, we were, we were lost. We were missing the mark for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We were doing our own, own thing. And if disobedience is the name of the game before we we're Christians, then doesn't it make sense completely that obedience becomes the name of the game when we're saved. Now, Again, I've stood up here and shared with you, I'm not 100% all the time obedient. But that's my goal. That's what I want. And now I know that no matter how far I think I've come along that line of, of denying self, that it's a daily thing with me that God just continually shows me, you know, I think I'm doing pretty good. Boy, I think I'm really doing good. Then something will come along and my plans will get changed. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I think, who was it, Daryl said, that unmet expectations is a a prime breeding ground for anger, frustration. How many times in our marriages is there harsh words simply because there was unmet expectations? And most of the time, those expectations may have not even been verbalized. But if he had really loved you, he'd have known. (laughs) Right? He'd have known. don't, Don't... don't use your elbows too hard in here. We don't have elbow pads on. Obedience. The Christian life is about following Jesus. Right? It's about following him. And, 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 and not just the big areas, but little areas. I, I think of Matthew chapter 5, some practical ways. What does this mean? I mean, it's saying, I don't want us to be so spiritual that we don't get practical where we live. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, a couple of them in there. He says, he, there he tells us to pray, to love our enemies. Love your enemies. To pray for those who hurt you. You've been hurt? Are you praying for them? Yeah. Praying God to get them, straighten them out. <laughs> I'm not talking about a sick them prayer. I'm talking about a loving prayer. Matthew chapter 6. Now, this is a big one. This is a hard one for me. Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15 are you, are you forgiving those who have offended you? 
Are you forgiving those who have offended you? Here's a big one. Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Are you kind to those who are unthankful or ungrateful and selfish? (sighs) Boy, that's, God, you know, that's getting close. Ah. But see, see where he's talking about practical? This is, this is a beautiful thing. I just, I just, I felt like a, I just, I just sit over here and if you saw me grinning, smiling, smiling is a better word. If you saw me smiling when Mitch and Melissa and the friends around them were praying, it's because of Galatians 6.2 and I, I read that and I thought about it. Galatians 6.2, it tells us that we're to bear one another's burdens. Mitch and Melissa got a prayer request. They've got a, their son, their only son. And I found myself praying. I found myself telling God that, that uh, what's your son's name? I just lost it. Tyler. That Tyler, I said, Lord, Tyler's their only son. And the Lord said, I know that. But he said it wouldn't make any difference if they had 10 other sons. Just a heart of a mom and dad. And they're burdened. And what a beautiful thing. Galatians tells us that we're to bear one another's burdens. This morning when Carol shared about Ralph before service, first service had started, and she was in the foyer and she was crying, and, a, and, and several of the ladies came around her. And they're just, they're just hugging her. Like women do, they're just, they're just hugging her. And one of the ladies said, let me give you my phone number. I'm, I'm going to go with you. Bearing one another's burdens. Following Christ. Obeying Him. Now, all three of these progressions, and I know I, I do need to get, to get close out or I'll have a burnt sacrifice for lunch. Forget the rest of you. It's about me. Mm. Isn't that just like God's word? These, this, this progression in, in verse 34, it's, it's, it's the, the verbs that are used there, the wording. All of them are in the present continuous tense. And it really would be more, it really would be accurate. It may even be more accurate if, if we read verse 34, this part where Jesus, if we read it like this, keep on denying yourself. Keep on taking up your cross. Keep on following me. It's a lifetime commitment this Christian life. I, I'm, I'm, I, need to, I need to stop. I just want to throw a couple of other things out at you, kind of. Because I was thinking about first service, I'm thinking about, man, you know, we share this, and, and you give an invitation at the end, and somebody said, now let me ask you, let me, let me get this right. You're saying that when I come to Christ, that I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to give him Complete control of my life. I'm not even supposed to call the shots anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Is that what he's saying when he says deny myself? And you're saying, okay, then I'm supposed to do all that. He's supposed to be Lord. Then he wants me to come and pick up a cross after I deny myself. Then he wants me to come and welcome those times in my life when, when, when people do things that just rub me or they, you know, and, and, and I'm supposed to smile and say, this is good for me. And then he wants me to go and pray for people who persecute me he wants me to go and 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 be and be a minister and pour in my life into people's lives that I don't even care 
You're asking me to do all that. Pastor, you need to get, you need to get a more enticing presentation. And then you're going to ask me, do I want to join up? Yeah. But verse 35 is our motive. And, 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 and this, is, this is so powerful. I would love to spend, for us to spend some time out there a lot more, but I'm going to just hit, the, hit it and then leave it with you. Verse 35, he says, For whoever will save his life shall lose it. If we follow, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm on target, and I believe I am, if I'm on target for what Jesus means to deny ourselves, if we're on target for that, then, if we live our life for self, if we cling to it, if we, if we put our, our arms around our life, if we grab all the gusto we can and we hold on tightly and we won't let us loose of it, it's very possible that somewhere down the road, you may find that you have everything that you wanted, but you don't want anything that you have. A lot of people invest their lives to grab the dream that they think will make them happy and make them successful, only to find out one day that that what they held on to so tightly is gone, and they're left with a handful of ashes. They're left with a handful of dust, and they're being mocked by the very dream that they've spent their life chasing. Jesus says, Whosoever will save his life will lose it. But look at this next part. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, and, and look at the next phrase. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, what's the next one? And the gospels. The same shall save it. To, to die to self, to give every bit of your rights up to God, what you do, where you're going, what you're going to do, the life, let him call the shots, let him call the place, and you obey and we obey by trusting his power. I believe you discover one day, not just in heaven, but maybe someday down the road, that, it's been a, that there's a contentment. There's a satisfaction. There's a sense of purpose. Worth. And you may not have all the things that some of the other people around you have. But your life can be rich and full. Satisfying and rewarding. Jesus didn't come to call us to ultimate barrenness, weakness, darkness, and death. But he called us to life, to richness, to enjoyment, and to fulfillment. And there's philosophies out there and there's teachings out there that say that. But the means to attaining it are not the same as what Jesus tells us here. Because Jesus tells us that the way to achieve all these through death. Discipleship ends in life, not in death. It ends in ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction. 
But the only way it ends there is through the cross. Let me read this. I, I, I wanted to, if I find this, I've got to go. But, but this, I thought this was pretty cool. I don't know what it has to do with the message, but I thought it was cool. It says, many years ago, archaeologists discovered the tomb of Charlemagne, the great 8th and 9th century king, the emperor of France. And when the tomb was opened after being closed for centuries, the men who entered it found something amazing. They found certain treasures of the kingdom, of course, but in the center of a large vault was a throne. And seated on the throne was a skeleton of Charlemagne with an open Bible on his lap and a bony finger pointing at these words. Mark eight thirty six. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You, you, you want one more? Pretty cool. <laughs> when we live life God's way and trust him, uh, Ray Stedman was writing this about uh, about how God uses that. He said, uh, he said, I can imagine the scene when Apostle Paul appeared before Nero, the Roman emperor, to give an answer to the charges against him. He said he wished he'd have been present. I'm, I'm, he said, I can imagine the emperor in his royal robes seated on the throne. His name was known throughout the empire, but nobody knew of Paul. Here was this obscure little Jew, bald-headed, big-nosed, bandy-legged, Totally unimpressive in his physical appearance. Now, by the way, that's about the way that Paul describes himself. So it, it, he's not taking too much liberty here. He said, and he was the leader of an ob obscure, heretical little sect that was known only as troublemakers. Nobody had heard of Paul while everybody had heard of Nero. But the interesting thing is that now, 2,000 years later, we name our kids Paul and our dogs Nero. <laughs> Wow. Father, we began our time together this morning by asking a question. Can we be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and live our life our way? And you've answered us. You've answered us very clearly. You've shouted it. Not just to the neighbor sitting next to me, but to the one sitting with me. It's a radical demand that you make. But I'm convinced that it is an inescapable, the only route to the life that you've called us to live, a life worth living. It's radical, but it's real. Through your power. Now, Father, thank you that you're very faithful to continue what you've begun in our lives to completion. And Father, we, as we sit here this morning, some of us may be saying, praise God, I'm glad that message is over. That's good for my husband or good for the person next to me. But Lord, I'm convinced that uh, you've been preaching it to me now and not only preaching it to me, but you've kind of been trying to weave it in and out of my life, every area of my life now for many, many, many years. I don't always say thank you for that. Sometimes I'm screaming and kicking like a little kid. 
but it's always been good. And I thank you. But Father, I want to pray too right now as Christians are just laying their lives before you. Maybe this morning, maybe it's not self. Maybe, maybe you've dealt with that and doing pretty good in that. But there's another area that Jesus is speaking to you about that you just need to lay down before you can take up his cross and follow. Need to do it. In our closing moments together, though, as we pray, it's altogether possible that you're here this morning and you've never given the Lord your life. You've never, you've never submitted to his lordship. You never, you've never asked him to save you. Or if you have, it's kind of like one of the Hindus. You just wanted to add him in with all the other gods of your life, of self and of career and everything else. And you just wanted to add him along, put him on the shelf with your other trophies. It don't work that way. Maybe this morning, God has got your attention finally. And he said, no, I want you. All of you. All the time. My way. The only reason I can encourage you to trust him with that is because of the motive. Because to do anything other than that means to lose your life. But if you lose your life for his sake in the Gospels, you'll save it. This morning, if you'd like to give your heart to him, the altar is always open for sure. I don't open it. I don't close it. It's open. You can come. Or maybe right where you sit. You just need to pray and say, God, this I need to do. I'm throwing up my hands in total surrender and I'm saying, I'm yours. I'm yours. Trust him. Come into my life. Save me and do what you want to do with who you've purchased. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray.